turning the spotlight on the big issues and the people behind them. I was uh, near the beach in Cana, and I saw three policemen. They were running in the beach. And it was really frightening because um, they were touching the tear gas. So it was really frightening to soak. So I decided to go to the beach, and I saw a, a woman on the beach, and uh, she was uh, wearing only a hijab and not a burkini. It's really different, you know, because she, she was wearing a, a classic T-shirt, leggings, and basket, and it was not working at all. So the policeman asked the woman to take off the hijab or to get off the beach. I was thinking that the law was only forbidden burkini. So I asked the policeman why uh, they were asking the woman to leave the beach. And they told me that uh, every religious sign was for, forbidden on the beach. And how did other people react? How did the other people on the really beach bad. react? Really bad. The other people on the beach react uh, awfully. It, it was awful. Some people were applauding the scene and the policemen. And uh, other people say, uh, get out the beach. Uh, get out, France. Uh, you're not welcome anymore in France. We don't want Muslim anymore. And uh, the woman was uh, just crying. Her daughter was crying. It was terrible to, to see. Really terrible. Does that reflect the mood in Cannes at the moment, generally, do you think? Yes, it's the mood in the south of France. But since the terrorist attacks, people are so scared and frightened with Muslim people. It's a very bad thing, but it's the reality now in uh, in France. And that was a clip uh, that we played yesterday in While You Were Sleeping, BBC uh, speaking to a woman in France about uh, the banning of the burkini swimsuit in some beaches in France. And that, of course, has triggered quite a debate about uh, how women uh, actually dress and especially the more conservative dress code uh, that women choose. And, 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 and I'm, I'm emphasizing the word choose because it is ultimately a choice uh, for most women in terms of what they wear. So that's what we're talking about uh, this morning on the Forum at 8. We're talking about hijab and the bikini and finding out what your views are about that. We want to engage on this. Um, it's uh, one way of, you know, closing off Women's Month and issues that pertain to women. What is so abhorrent about a woman covering up? I mean, I was absolutely horrified to hear people saying, show some flesh. You know, a woman being asked to actually strip off layers of her clothing so that she could fit in or be acceptable in that space. So what are your views on this particular matter? I was looking at, um, you know, some of the uh, quotes and what was said around this particular row. And uh, it began, of course, uh, just uh, for those who might not know, when uh, the mayor of Khan um, uh, actually uh, came out and banned the bikini from the city's beaches and uh, has actually gone as far as to threaten women uh, if they were found 
around wearing a bikini on the beaches of Cannes. And uh, other people came out in support of uh, this absurdity. Um, uh, some uh, people, uh, the Thierry Muguel, uh, one of the people, and this is a government official, um, says that an ostin- uh, the, the, he, he actually called it an ostentatious piece of clothing, um, uh, saying that it has alliances and uh, shows an allegiance to terrorist movements uh, that are waging war on France. Um, and that is how it is being viewed in some quarters. So what is your take on it? What do you make of Muslim women in particular and the manner in which they dress? What does it conjure up for you? Well, what expression does that bring out in your mind, when Muslim women actually don their hijab. 0891-104-208 is our call-in number. You can SMS us on 34701, tweet or Facebook, AM Live on SAFM. And joining me in studio this morning, Aisha Dadi Patel, and uh, she wrote her thesis on hijab, and she is a columnist with, uh, a journalist with the Daily Vox. Aisha, thanks for coming in this morning. Thanks so much for having me. Now, firstly, perhaps it's worthwhile just explaining uh, what hijab actually is. Um, I think this is a really important thing to unpack because even within the Muslim community, uh, I think a lot of people kind of get wrong what what it is because hijab is not just a scarf on a Muslim woman's head. And that's something we really, really need to um, kind of get straight. I mean, I always say it's my life mission to decolonize hijab and tell everyone that. But basically... <laughs> Um, hijab is, is a moral code, um, you know, outlined for all Muslims to observe. And it, it just means kind of modesty and, um, you know, grace in, in, all, in all that you do. So in your behavior, in how you speak to people, in how you interact, in how you conduct yourself in your daily life, and obviously in, in how you dress as well. Um, but, you know, it's not only limited to women's clothing. So... As you say, for most people, it speaks to the donning of a headscarf in particular. And, and, and sometimes it will go to the veil. And, you know, uh, there are these conceptions and misconceptions that exist around hijab. But when you talk about decolonizing it, what, what does that mean? <laughs> well, I, I mean, you know, South Africa itself right now, we're, at a, we're kind of in a, in a in a state where we're realizing there's no such thing as a rainbow nation. There's no such thing as born freeze. We're trying to decolonize everything at the same time. And, I mean, I see it as my personal mission to just kind of, um, you know, get it straight what the concept actually is. And so, so you know, we know um, what it is that, that we're practicing and what we're doing because it's, it's not fair to say that um, hijab is something that is only the responsibility of Muslim women to observe and, um, you know, to, to be the public bearers of. And, you know, it shouldn't be the case that just because Muslim women are obviously, not all Muslim women, but Muslim women who, who choose to, to cover, um, are obviously very public uh, bearers of the faith. And, um, you know, it's, it's not fair to put all of the responsibility of, um, you know, carrying uh, or you know, the, the responsibility of saying, uh, of, of being the ones to fight um, stereotypes or misconceptions and that kind of thing. Many people, uh, when they do look at Muslim women um, uh, donning hijab, would say that they are doing so because they are oppressed. Mm-hmm. 
this is an age-old colonial narrative. But at the same time, also, we must acknowledge that, you know, there are certain um, places in the world where women are not given a choice. Um, certain theocratic um, countries such as Saudi Arabia, such as Iran, which is wrong, um, which is as wrong as what, what France is doing. Because, you know, like like in any religion, um, there's kind of a code laid out uh, for you saying you should do this. And as an individual who who is, you know, a follower of that faith, it it's still at the end of the day your choice to decide whether you want to um, comply with that or not or comply with it in your own way or, you know, make your own interpretation of it. And, you know, in that way, practicing faith is, is such a personal thing. There's no reason for it to be something that other people uh, have to feel the need to police or to say, um, no, you have to do this or no, you cannot do this. It's really nobody else's business except your own. But unfortunately, uh, especially of late, we have found that um, Islam and uh, terrorism have almost become um, interchangeable in some language, you know, speakers' uh, vocabulary. Because when the minute you talk about Islam, they immediately associate that with uh, terrorism. And uh, for that reason, um, as one of the reasons, some people actually feel threatened by women who wear hijab because uh, they actually go as far as to say, what if she is... Uh, what if she has a bomb strapped under all of that clothing um, and they want you to take it off so that they can see whether you're carrying anything or not? I mean, yes, it is absurd, but these are the realities that we deal with. There are many other questions as well. Absurd as they are, these are the realities that we are dealing with that because of the misunderstanding or a total lack of understanding, people ask these questions. Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, that's that's very true. And as much as, you know, spaces like France and other European countries where they really value very secular values, which they cannot seem to reconcile with Islam and, and its teachings, um, you know, they kind of go out of their way to promote these things. But they're not the only ones. Um, we also have to look at the fact that mainstream media is extremely complicit in reinforcing certain narratives, not only around Muslim women, but around Muslims generally, as you say. So these um, you know, terrorist narratives become immediately something that's associated with Muslims. I mean, a couple of days ago, there were these uh, three British siblings, a um, couple of them wearing um, scarves on their heads as well, who were pulled off of a plane because someone said they saw... Uh, Arabic on their phones. Um, You know, there's that immediate kind of um, moral panic attached to Muslims. And, you know, just because, like I said, Muslim women who who observe hijab and choose to cover are such public, um, you know, bearers of the faith. And just because of that, it's not fair for them to be the ones to to have to deal with all of that. And, you know, it's not fair for, for their bodies to be the spaces that have to fight other people's bigotry. Mm. And it's perhaps not helpful trying to um, find out whose responsibility it is to make sure that everybody understands exactly what is going on. But why does Islam actually uh, make women cover their hair? Well, I mean, um, it comes from a verse in the Quran where, uh, I th- well, I'm, I'm obviously paraphrasing now, but it said, you know, to the believing woman, um, lower your veils, cover 
recover yourselves, con- conceal yourselves. And, um, you know, it's, it's just in line with being, with being modest, with um, concealing your beauty, with, um, you know, realizing that, you know, certain things are to be kept um, only for, for those who um, either are so close relatives such as your, your brothers, your father uh, or your husband, um, just out of, out of respect um, for, for your faith more than anything else. And I mean, um, you know, sometimes you, you don't always understand why is this a thing. And uh, that's when you, you have to realize Islam means submission. And that means that sometimes you don't always have to understand everything that you're doing. And I think that that goes with any, any kind of faith, that, um, you know, when you have the faith, you you believe to such extents that that even if you don't, if you can't rationalize for yourself why why there is such a rule or whatever it is, you just, you say, I'm doing it for something bigger than just myself. Well, we're talking about hijab this morning. We're talking about uh, bikinis and uh, burkinis. And so tell us, what are your views? What sort of questions do you have around this? Because I can imagine that there are many. I've heard many. I've heard many absurdities spoken about uh, hijab and burkinis. And I think we would be better served if we try to understand and uh, from the other side, try to give answers to some of the questions that people do have. And it doesn't necessarily speak to people who are oppressed. I speak for women that I know, Muslim women whom I know, who have um, made a choice, a conscious decision to actually wear hijab. And it was not because their husband said so or their father said so or anybody else, you know, um, told them or enjoined this upon them. They personally made that choice to do so. And I think that part is sometimes lacking in our understanding of what is actually going on. It's your favorite time of the morning. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo. Favorite time of the morning on AM Live. 22 minutes after 8 and this morning we're discussing hijab and also uh, the incident in France that uh, caused a huge stir this weekend, uh, this week rather internationally about a woman uh, donning a burkini which is a, a swimsuit that actually covers up and uh, she was asked to actually leave the beach and alternatively take off some of the layers that are covering you up. I can't even tell you how that makes me feel as a woman. We talk about waging war on women's bodies. That is another form of waging war on a woman's body. I mean, why doesn't she have the choice to cover up in as much as the next woman has the choice to take off some layers of clothing? All of these things, many questions going around. There's a tweet here from uh, Spivo. He says, I know it's wrong. But I feel a little uncomfortable when I'm flying overseas to the U.S. or the U.K. with a woman who is fully covered up. Why are you uncomfortable about it? Um, that's what I want to know. And, and, and maybe if we speak out you know, more clearly about what our fears and what our concerns are, then we can get to a point where we can understand and help each other along. Uh, Jim says equating Islam with terrorism is the result of a successful Western media manipulation of U.S. and allies' aggression. Uh, that's from Jim Augustine. But I want to hear from our listeners, 891 104 208. Our guest this 
this morning is Aisha Jadi Patel. Uh, she wrote her thesis on hijab, and uh, she is a columnist and journalist with the Daily Vox. Uh, David in Peter Maritzburg, good morning. Morning, Sakina. Um, um, I just want to quickly contribute to this um, um, discussion. Um, uh, well, concerning this hijab or bikini, I just want to say that there is nothing wrong in the dressing. This has been something that people have been wearing as a cultural thing or a religious thing. But you see, sometimes you will not blame, you know, those that are refusing them not to wear it because the Muslim or the Islamic fundamentalists have, um, you know, taken advantage of this to, you know, to 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 to, to destroy that the culture, you know, and, and and it is causing fear into the heart of the people. And so as a result of that, you know, you don't blame those that have been experiencing terror in their place or the places that will be hearing all these things. And you discover that these women wearing hijab are are, are the people that, you know, uh, these terrorists were using. So as a result, they cause fear into the heart of people. And so people, you know, when you see them, you you, you kind of, uh, you know, be afraid that maybe this one is being used, you know, to, 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 to maybe there is a bond in the body of this church. You can never tell, you know, so uh, that, that is the reason. That, that's my contribution. So if, 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 if someone, David, says to you that all black people are thieves. No, 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 no. No, it's not everybody. You know, I see people wearing hijab. There's uh-huh. nothing wrong in it. What I'm trying to say is that, you know, in, in, in those places where we have a lot of terrorist people, you know, in, I mean, I mean, the bombings, you know, it has caused fear inside of them. So in a way, you may not blame them because these are things that have been happening. I'm not saying that there's not anything wrong in hijab. No, it, it, it's a good thing. You know, I, when I even see them as the Muslims, it, it, it's good the way they are wearing it. But you see, where these things are common in, in terms of where terrorists are, you know, uh, bombing taking place, you find out that it has caused a lot of um, wrong ideas in their mind because of this constant terrorist attack in their places. You know, that is the reason, you know, that is the reason. Okay, David and Peter Maritzburg. Dylan in Cape Town, what's your take? Good morning. Um, geez, there's so many uh, things one can say about this loaded conversation. I mean, there's, there's sort of a global reaction or global pull towards nativism, maybe as a result of globalization and a bunch of things. But I think if you start from either in defense of the burqa or in defense of you know, the religion as a whole, um, or if you are anti a particular religion and you start using fanaticism as your as your reasoning, I think both sides of the argument fall short there. You shouldn't be judging any religion based on the views of a couple of extremes. But as my as my hero Christopher Hitchens um, pointed out, um, that is the problem with religion. Full stop is that it does become a breeding ground. You have moderates and you have people who pretend to be tolerant, but if you push hard enough in any religious faith, in any religion, and amongst the 30,000-odd denominations of Christianity or whatever the case is, whether it's women's rights, whether it's gay rights, whether it's age rights, whether it's any form of rights, it is a breeding ground for bigotry. And I think, you know, in terms of the, the question, but the, why is it a problem for women to cover up and women have chosen... 
I just want to cite Stockholm Syndrome here. If you for 6,000 years have been engendered that you are somehow less worth the men who are telling you to cover up, after several generations, it doesn't even have to be 6,000 years, after a couple of hundred years, you'll say, well, yes, obviously we were born to be slaves. I mean, I don't want to be funny, but even in our own country's recent history, there was not 100% of the population that stood up and said, actually, hold on a second, the part that isn't good. You just need to read back, and you real, and you you can see that they were disgustingly, through the oppression that people experienced, a, a fair amount of people said, "Well, this is the way it is. We should just accept it." So, they Muslim women are suffering from Stockholm syndrome, is what you say? Absolutely, it is Whoa. an engendered oppression that has been uh, people who accept oppression. It is an engendered oppression that they have that they have absorbed as part of their identity. What is the, the oppression? The matter is what is the, the oppression? oppression? Yes. The oppression, well, I mean, what is the definition, as your speaker said, with no, with no total disrespect? I think it's an oppression of humanity to start off with. And then secondly, I think it's an oppression of the mind. And then I think it's an oppression very much historically through implementation um, of, of gender-based bigotry and bias. I mean, it's easy to say, yes, but not all Muslims. And I'm not speaking out against Islam. I'm speaking out against all religion. Please understand that. I have no personal grudge against Islam. I have no personal. I have a personal grudge against religion because it is an, an engendered and organised bigotry, and there is nothing that a secular individual can do or can't do that, is, that someone with religion can do. Um, altruism, human, humanitarianism, all of these things can be achieved with a non-prejudiced, um, non-biased secular view. Now, and what about choice? What about choice? Choice. Yes. Um, well, I mean, I suppose if a family, I mean, if, if according to the laws of our country, uh, polygamy is illegal, let's say it was illegal, and if um, five women decided to get married to one man, what are we not in, in, in pioneering their sort of choice? Yeah, that's what, what I'm asking. Well, what about choice? year old man. Well, the reality is that the questions we're asking right now precisely why I'm defending a secular viewpoint. And that's why I, I think I think the clothing, the hijab, the, hijab, the burqa, I think they are, they, they've become a sort of iconography of in the door and institutionalized oppression. We're going to park it there just for the timing because we have to go to news. 891 it's heating up. Um, we're talking about uh, the Burkini and uh, this in the wake of what happened in France this past week and where a woman on a beach was actually asked to actually leave the beach because she was donning a bikini. And why should women be asked to actually show some flesh? Isn't that in itself a form of, um, you know, patriarchal, um, imposition on women. Uh, what actually is going on here? And why are women, Muslim women uh, facing the brunt of those who believe that all women should be strutting around bearing all uh, to make her a woman who is free and a woman who is able to exercise choice? We're talking about that uh, and hijab and whatever else you'd bring into that pot. 891 It's the moment you've all been waiting for. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo. Let's get back, uh, before I get Aisha to respond uh, to David and Dylan there, I just want to read some of the messages. Baba Zile says, there's no difference between a nun uh, and wearing hijab, uh, Muslim wearing uh, Muslim women wearing hijab. The nun is considered a devotee of Christ and the other is oppressed. Uh, Adam says, uh, if a woman can choose to bear all, why is it a problem if she chooses to cover up? 
hashtag pro-choice. Ethel Zupta says, this isn't about Muslim <coughs> women prancing around half-naked SK. It's about a misconception that people have of Muslims generally. And then uh, Peter Henderson says, most Muslim women who have gone to the West have shunned the Burkina, meaning a lack of choice and freedom. You see, Peter, that betrays a lack of understanding. The Burkini is a swimsuit that is worn. Um, a burqa is a um, it, it, it's it's a head uh, covering that Muslim women wear. And uh, I think this is the sort of thing that leads us into saying things that aren't quite correct. And then uh, Kahiso Moeng says, if terrorism is the argument here, Europe has and continues to wage the worst forms of terrorism in the world to date. Um then Sandy Letkwabe says throughout history, religion has been used to dominate. And this is the extension of that. Islam and Christianity are equally guilty. Eve Morris says, I can't believe this man. He might as well be saying, I'm not racist. But, and um, uh, 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 this one from Tunzi Mamkeli says, can you please help me understand why Muslim men uh, don't pray with the women in their mosque? And Selebaleng uh, Kumalo says, you know, I'm of the view that those people who commit killings in Muslim attire, they might not even be proper Muslims. Ricardo Williams says, can you blame the fresh? All of Europe, uh, they are most under attack. Uh, The French, I guess you meant. Can you blame the French? All of Europe uh, are under attack by extremists. So does that mean you take away you know, another civil liberty in order to fix the other one. And and, and it, it, that is a question because which supersedes the other uh, when it comes to these rights? But uh, Aisha, you can respond to some of those questions there. Well, I mean, first of all, I think we just need to clarify and be clear that uh, what this woman was wearing on the beach was not a burkini. A burkini is a certain um, brand of clothing. It's a certain line that comes from an Australian company. This woman was wearing clothes. She was wearing tights or leggings. She was wearing a shirt. She was wearing a scarf and a turban. Someone decided, um, you know, the sight of a Muslim woman uh, fuels the anxiety, so they need to find her and humiliate on, on, on the public beach and force her to strip in front of everyone um, who would cheer the police on for forcing her to do that and humiliate her in front of her crying daughter. That's That's what actually happened. And if I don't know if if somehow people can reconcile how that is okay, then I don't understand um, how how they think. But honestly, um, I think it's important for us to understand that this is not uh, an incident that is isolated. I mean, the the French and not even just the French. I mean, colonialists uh, for for centuries have had. Um, these kind of anxieties and insecurities with the appearance of, of Muslim women, particularly veiled Muslim women. And I mean, you know, if you go back to the um, uh, the, the French conquest of, of Algeria, uh, the, the way that they um, colonized that space was, you know, one of the ways was they, um, they forced the, the women to unveil themselves. And I mean, you know, I'm 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 just so all over the place now because I, like I said, um, you know, it's it's not a Muslim woman's responsibility for her body to be the space that fights someone else's bigotry. I mean, I don't know if this is very harsh, but Google is free, and I mean, we we live in a relatively 
tolerant society, I would think. It's not like, you know, we don't get to mix with one another all the time. Why not engage with an actual Muslim person and ask her or ask him yourself instead of making your own assumptions mm. about why um, they do certain things or why they behave or, or why assume that I'm suffering from Stockholm Syndrome, um, which, quite frankly, I find extremely insulting. And, um, you know, I I just it's it's really just a case of of cultural imperialism continuing to play itself out. I mean, I mentioned colonization and. Honestly, I find this to be a modern day kind of um, manifestation of that. Uh, why Why is this imperialist government with a patriarchal agenda, like you say, continuing to police women's bodies, um, telling them what they can and cannot do? If you're wearing a bikini and that makes me uncomfortable, that's my problem. And it it's the exact same thing as, you know, if, if me wearing a scarf on my head makes you uncomfortable. I mean, I look, when I first saw this stuff um, on Twitter two days ago, I was extremely upset by it because I look the exact same way as she does when I go to the beach. Um, you know, I love swimming. I love going to the ocean and observing my faith and dressing in accordance to it has never stopped me from doing that. And so, you know, I, I really don't, understand um, just the bigotry, the ignorance that some people can just continue to spew out. 0891-104-208. Vuyelwa in Bedford View, good morning to you. Mauro Sisi. You know, there's a dress code for each space that is surrounding us. I, for one, I cannot stand women on the beach wearing tights and swimming costume and their full clothes. And I always ask myself, I mean, really? Why do you want to go and swim with your clothes, your body full clothes? What's the point to go to the beach? It's ugly. You won't catch me on Devon Beach front December time because you wear, you see all these women wearing all those ugly things. I mean, that's not the dress code for the beach to be fully clothed. I'll go north of Devon. That's where you're going to see the flesh. And that's a dress code for the beach. That's a swimming costume, not to cover the whole body. Thank you, Vuyelwa. Uh, Saleha and Ladysmith, good morning. Hi, good morning. Um, I'm a Muslim woman who covers up out of choice. Actually, my husband has asked me not to cover but I've explained to him that I prefer it being covered because it's my private space. That's the first thing. The second thing is that all these women that prefer not to cover, they have a choice, so why can't I have a choice? Mm-hmm. Why do I have to be put down by the Western media and this woman that just phoned to say that um, I'm not allowed to dress the way I want at the beach? She's allowed mm-hmm. to dress the way she wants? Why can't I dress the way I want? Why is it always their way or no other way? All right. Yeah. Thanks so much, Salia and Ladysmith. Uh, Naeem and Alberton, good morning to you. Hello, greetings to you and your guest. Uh, three points. Uh, firstly, I agree with your guest on this aspect of cultural imperialism. It's nothing more than that. And uh, to make it worse, it's a kind of a inversion of, of, of uh, you know, uh, French values supposed to have been uh, liberty and equality and, you know, all of that. And in the name, in the in the same breath, they are actually imposing and and restricting freedom, and still claiming to be upholders of freedom and liberty and everything else. Second point, uh, the Stockholm syndrome. It's laughable, but because he was so serious about it, uh, one or two points for that caller to think about. Yesterday on a sister station, a similar program was held. Uh, and uh, a, a number of uh, non-Muslim women phoned in, some Jewish women, Christian women, and they supported, uh, I think your guest was on that program as well, and she can bear this out, uh, and they 
you know, reinforced uh, the argument and made the same point as your guest is making. So uh, do they, are they also suffering from synd- uh, Stockholm Syndrome? Uh, so uh, who's, who suffers from Stockholm Syndrome? Not only Muslim uh, women, all women in the, throughout the world. I think he must use his psychological skills to analyze the, the, the trauma and devastation that the Muslim societies in the Middle East have gone through for the last 10, 15 years, the bombing, the, the, all of the torture, all of that, and try to analyze from a psychological point of view what the impact of that is on Muslim uh, psyche. And that comes to the third point, the whole notion of security. You know, I think this is a, a separate topic. I hope you have, uh, you are brave enough to, to, to raise this. Uh, how many of the attacks in uh, Europe are actually false flags operations? I, I think, uh, but before you have your program, uh, research operation Gladio. This was in the 60s and 70s, where Western countries themselves staged uh, fake or false flag bombings throughout Europe uh, to thwart the communist or to, to whenever there was a, a, a popular uh, surge in, towards the communist party, the they, Gladio units uh, carried out bombings mm. and uh, that swung the population back towards uh, the, the, the capitalist uh, parties. Okay. Tell you what, Naeem, um, I've noted you there on that one and we'll definitely look at it. Uh, but I, I want us to stay with this topic of mm-hmm. the dress code. You know, I, I really like this point that you're bringing up of, of other women of other faiths also defending this because, I mean, you know, with France's values of secularism, Islam hasn't been the only kind of target in all of this. I mean, uh, um, Jewish people have been targeted. Um, large crosses have been banned as well. Um, so, you know, over the past few years, there's been kind of a, a, a big movement to kind of quietly um, shut out any kind of public display of, of uh, religious um, following. And, you know, I mean, it's an age old thing that, you know, we find an other to to pin all the issues onto. I mean, look at Donald Trump right now. He, you know, anyone who isn't um, white, basically, is the mm. other right now. In the and USA. it's all about othering uh, to a large extent, isn't it? And uh, these are some of the issues that uh, we come across, even when we're dealing with issues of culture, you know, where it is very easy to deal with someone once you have othered them as opposed to dealing with some of the more uh, contentious content that that actually throws up. Mm-hmm. No, definitely, and I and I mean, you know, it even leads on to this point. Uh, this this what the last caller was saying about um, communists. I mean, you know, it's literally you're looking for the marginalized group in society, the one who, you know, even if they might be a majority, um, a certain group decides that they don't want them around, and so immediately they're the one that all the problems are are pinned onto. And I mean, you know, if I can go slightly off topic, but also related to this. Um, earlier this year, you know, Dolce & Gabbana launched an Abaya line. Um, I don't know if, if you saw that. I either. did see that. And, and you know, a lot of people were, were, were quite excited about it, saying, you know, look at um, how uh, they're embracing Muslim women and that kind of thing. And I just think that that was slightly disingenuous. And, and I think, you know, um, we need to be slightly more critical when it comes to to these um you know european based uh 
companies who, you know, constantly make it clear what their kind of stance is when it comes mm-hmm. to, to Muslim women, to Muslim women's dressing. Um, but then, you know, when they're a market to capitalize on, there's an Abaya line targeted at them. Well, let's hear from other listeners. 891 Austin in Johannesburg. Good morning. Hello. Uh, hello, Sakina. Yes, Austin. Yes. I, I just want to say here that uh, I think one of the fundamental things about all religion is that you do unto others as you want them to do unto you. Um, having said that, I'd like to say that much as I agree with uh, the freedom uh, of choice, but I also want to say that Many of the Muslims who've called in, and including the lady, your guest there, I think she's being selected. If you go to predominantly Muslim countries, they don't even give other people who don't practice Islam the, the choice to live the way they want to. They're very strict in implementing Muslim uh, laws. Go to Saudi Arabia, go to Dubai, whatever. You can't just go dress the way you want as a non-Muslim. You have to comply with the way they do things there. But when Muslims go elsewhere... They want, uh, they want to do what, live the way they want, but when other people come to their communities, they are not prepared to accommodate. So you have to address that as well. Isn't that a fair comment? It is. Everything is fair comment mm-hmm. at the moment. Uh, we'll come to that. Thank you so much, Austin. Uh, Mohammed in Indonesia, good morning to you. Hi, uh, hi, and hi to your guest. couple of points. You see, when it comes to bigotry, the West is number one in it. Certain things are freedom of expression, but you're not allowed to do certain things, then it's against freedom of expression. So they change the rules and laws and the playing of the game all the time. And regarding this previous caller, uh, the West have come here and said certain black culture is wrong. Does he agree with that as well? You know, a lot of the black culture, what they are doing today, the whites in our country oppose it and say it's wrong. So, uh, you know, it doesn't apply to Islam only. They do this everywhere, wherever they go, is cultural imperialism. Thank you so much, Mohammed. Uh, anonymous in Cape Town. Good morning to you. Ah, morning. Your, not your previous caller, the caller before that. He calls for, you know, we live in. If you live in a Muslim country, we have to abide by their laws. Why are we in an outcry about France at the moment now? Because in France, you have freedom of speech, you have media, you have everything. Well, how's your guest going to defend countries like Saudi Arabia, who have banned the bikini for many, many years? And the Western people who live in those countries are not allowed to wear a bikini on the beach. They get told to either leave the country, live by our rules, or dress or cover up. So why are we not in an international outcry about those countries when it's very obvious it's written into their laws, everything, you cannot wear bikinis, all sorts of things like that. Why are we not having an international outcry about those countries? But because it's a Muslim person in a Western world or in a Christian country... And people have the freedom of speech and you have the media taking photos of it, whereas in the Muslim countries you do not have that, so it's not internationally known. So how is she going to defend that? Your other, another caller from Ladysmith said, I have the right to cover up, as the other woman has the right to take and wear what she wants. But in those countries they do not. Thank you. So, so if she can defend that, I'd be very interested to find out how she's going to do that, because that is bigotry. Thank you so much, Anonymous in Cape Town. Adam in uh, Peter Marisburg, good morning. Hi, good morning, Sakina. How are you? Well, and you? Good, good. I'm going to be very, very blunt. Uh, I I hear what everyone is saying, and I don't have to agree, but what I'm going to say is that Islam is a way of life prescribed by our Prophet wasallam and given to him by Almighty Allah. And there is no choice 
to any Muslim whether they have a choice of doing something or not doing something. They have to, no matter what they, they, they ideologies are or whatever it is, they have to follow what Islam asks them to do. That is period. There is no question, no answers about it. That's number one. Number two is uh, we, we are talking so much about terrorism and burqas. Burqas is so, so sacred that it is, it, it is beyond your imagination or anyone's imagination of the benefits of the burqa. But it's a, it's a very, very vast topic. No one besides a theologian that will be able to come and explain to the vast majority of people what is the benefits of the burqa. So we will leave that for some other time. But at the same to, on the same token, we are going to get a pick and, and a pick on people. But if you look at the media and if you look at the at the Western society, they they are picking on terrorism and burqas. At the same time, we in Islam do not pick on anyone. But just for information's sake, when a person wears a burqa, we, uh, scholars have said that what you call it, we don't know whether they've got a strap of bomb on them or whatever it is. But other religious uh, groups have the they nuns and whoever you want to call them, also just very similarly besides the face open. And they could, have, they could also be labeled as terrorists because they could also be concealing a bomb under the da. And that was Adam and Peter Maritzberg. Riaz and Pulukwane, good morning to you. Good morning, great show, and I'm sorry how polarized this debate is. You know? It was always going to be, Riaz, it was always going to be. Yeah, but then let me make, I don't want to repeat other points or share some sentiments of the anti-imperial critique. But basically, you know, secularism, what we have is extremist secularism being shown here. Because the simple point is that um, secularism was invented or created when the Catholics and the Protestants were tearing each other apart the same way the Shias and the Sunnis are tearing each other apart now. Secularism was a set of values independent of a reference to God. That means you can be good without having a religion, right? And so that the Protestants and the Catholics will not kill each other. Secularism was put in place to actually save religion, save liberty, and save people's interaction. Now we have extremist secularism of, uh, you know, Peter Hitchens and Dawkins and all of them. And what I want to say is that, you know, a common-sense approach to this, because how do we move forward as ordinary people, right? And a common-sense approach is is that, you know, the uh, dialectic of othering is uh, understanding and knowing. I, I mean, people may feel that things are different, and people are different. People have different ways, but that is how society operates. I would love for African people and even, you know, the Europeans in this country to come to a Muslim funeral to see how simplicity and dignity can go together instead of people going to Mashonisas and getting in debt and all that. I mean, I feel strongly about that the same way people feel about this Burkini. So this Burkini is a process of um, extremist secularism, right? And the point about it is, is that, you know, it's so easy, you know, like when you hit your funny bone or you hit your knee, you know, you have a knee-jerk reaction, how, Euro- how European and American and a lot of us, are like sheep uh, when it comes to what the military-industrial complex the world over wants to do, right? I mean, it, it's the, you can't understand this Burkini debate out of the context of the Western war on Muslim countries. Samuel Huntington, 
Donald Johnson all said, the West must decide. Do they want imperialism or do they want democracy? Thank you so much, uh, Riaz. We're going to go to a break. When we come back, we'll start wrapping it up. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live, turning the spotlight on the big issues and the people behind them. It is heated. Let me read some SMSs before I show response. Um, Tabi Seng says, Sakina, I find this to be double standards in South Africa. Muslim women are allowed to wear headscarves at work, uh, but black women are not allowed to wear a duke at some companies at the waterfront in Cape Town. But you see, that's equally abominable. It's unacceptable. Why are you not allowed to wear a duke? We remember the ETV saga and what happened there. It's unacceptable. And we should stand up against that. Um, Vishnu in Durban says hijab was used in desert areas to prevent dust from entering the eyes. Uh, John in Cape Town says I work as a security guard at a restaurant and I'm scared when I see uh, Muslim women because they cover themselves. They might have explosive stuff. Uh, this one says uh, with so many extremist terrorists associating with Islam uh, do you blame people who panic what do you expect? Are you being realistic? <laughs> Let me catch my breath. Uh, <laughs> Dean in Durban says, um, I've been told that if women wear the full face cover, they are not allowed in public accompanied by her husband or brother-in-law. Um, they are only allowed in public to be accompanied by their husband or brother-in-law, not kids or friends. That's from Jean and Durban. And this one says, is the dress code of a nun regarded as unacceptable too? Um, a few others coming through on Twitter as well. Tozamile says, uh, the world will never be a better place because we are divided by race and religion and Islam is now associated with fear. Uh, King Damane says, when you hear of Saudi Arabia and other countries that uh, treat other women as not women, one justifies what happens in France. Uh, Bibi Aisha Ibrahim says, uh, so do we now all just walk around naked so that everyone can see that no one has a bomb strapped to them? And Veronica Nyati says, anonymous in Cape Town and Austin raised questions that I always ask because when you're in Rome, you should do as the Romans do. Aisha? You know, um, Sakina, when we started off this conversation, I did make the point that certain certain countries who who have theocratic governments, such as Saudi Arabia, such as um, Iran, uh, who, who, you know, enforce certain dress codes for um, not even visitors to their country, but citizens there themselves, and especially, you know, who force women to cover up. Um, they are as bad, I'll say it, they are as bad as the people who are forcing women to disrobe um, on, on the beach in public. Because, again, you know, it, it goes back to the very simple point that it is not your responsibility as a man, as anyone, to police anyone else's body, to tell them what they can or cannot wear. I mean, you know, as much as, okay, Islam can say, yes, do X, Y, Z, and maybe wearing a scarf or covering up is Y. It's your choice to decide whether you want to do X, Y, Z. If you want to do X and you don't want to do Y and I want to do Y and not do X, you know, the fact that I'm wearing a scarf and observing Y doesn't make me a better person than someone else who's not wearing a scarf, another Muslim person. And really, I mean, you know, that's that's the beauty of religion, that um, we're supposed to remember that it's not up to us to judge one another. It's not um, up to us to say you're a good person or you're a bad person or you're evil for doing this or that because, you know, we, we can't be the deciders of that. 
And I mean, honestly, <clears throat> there's also a crisis of integration here in the in, in the French scenario of things. Uh, but Shwe um, Shwe is showing me, uh, you know, we are really coming up to the end here. But, but, but it does speak to, you know, whether people, when they get into a country, do they assimilate, um, you know, and, and that integration, how is that managed from one country to the next? I, you know, I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll make this fast. Uh, we mentioned how this is cultural imperialism playing itself out again. What you know, as a colonizer, you go into a space, you go into a country, you colonize that space, you displace those people, you tell them you can't belong here so that they have no other option but to maybe come and find solace where you are. And then you want to tell them there as well that they don't belong. When are we going to, I mean, I just find the whole slogan extremely ironic, um, you know, liberty, uh, freedom, equality, brotherhood. I'm not seeing that in motion right now. Robert says, we can't avoid the fact that masculinity reigns supreme in the Muslim faith. Uh, Muhammad, peace be upon him, and the Quran are clear examples. Robert says, Abrahamic uh, religions are intrinsically against uh, feminism. Uh, if you yourself happen to be a Muslim, you'll be biased. And uh, Samnat says, those who force us to remove hijab or bikini are equal to ISIS who force women to wear it against their will. And I think that's a good note on which to leave it. Thank you so much for coming through this morning, Aisha uh, Dadi Patel, uh, journalist and columnist with the Daily Vox, and uh, also to everybody else who participated. Have a good weekend. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live, turning the spotlight on the big issues and the people behind them.